Greetings Collectibles, this is Dave Thomas. I hope everyone's well. Staying away from people, wearing your mask, your gloves, following all the guidelines. Hopefully we're beginning to see a light at the end of the tunnel and we will be back meeting as a group uh, very shortly. In the meantime, we are going to go back to the Old Testament. We had left off prior to our our celebration of Easter. Actually, today is a, certainly another celebration of Easter. We're reminded the first of each week that by God's power, Jesus was raised from the dead. But prior to a little four-week pause to look at some of the events surrounding Easter, we had just completed Second Kings. Judah has fallen. Jerusalem was destroyed. Many, many of the citizens, the Jewish people, were taken into captivity back to, to Babylon. Other people groups were, were moved into Jerusalem. It's certainly a time of, of turmoil. The next book, chronologically speaking, would, would be Daniel. It's not the next book um, immediately after Second Kings. That would be Chronicles. A, a later chronicling probably by Ezra um, after the exile at the time that the remnant returned to to Judah and Jerusalem of the kings of Judah, the southern kingdom. And then Ezra, Nehemiah, Esther, all uh, uh, exile or post-exile accounts of, of God's work among his people. Then the wisdom books of Job, Psalm, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, Song of Solomon. Then we begin the, the section of the, the major prophets, Isaiah, Jeremiah, uh, Lamentations, of uh, writing of Jeremiah, Ezekiel, and then Daniel. It's on page 823. So as you are uh, finding that, turning to it, let's go to the Lord in prayer and, and ask His uh, blessing and insight on on our look into His Word today. Father, we thank You for the resurrection. God, we thank You that we serve a, a risen Savior, that by Your power Jesus was raised on the third day and even now sits at Your right hand and makes intercession on our behalf. And God, we thank You that You've left us with Your Word, inspired writings of, of many uh, different authors, but all emanating from you. That just your uh, Holy Spirit inspiring these writers so long ago to write these things that we might have a record of your redemptive plan, that we might have an understanding of it. God, I just ask that you would bless our time today as we look into it give us insight and show us how we can apply these truths that we read to our lives today so that we might be better servants for Christ. In His name I pray. Daniel chapter 1, starting in verse 1. In the third year of the reign of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, came to Jerusalem and besieged it. And the Lord gave Jehoiakim, king of Judah, into his hands 
with some of the vessels of the house of God, and he brought them to the land of Sinar, to the house of his God, and placed the vessels in the treasury of his God. Then the king commanded Ashpenaz, his chief eunuch, to bring some of the people of Israel, both of the royal family and of the nobility, youths without blemish, of good appearance, and skillful in all wisdom, endowed with knowledge, understanding, learning, and competent to stand in the king's palace and to teach them the literature and language of the Chaldeans. The king assigned them a daily portion of the food that the king ate, of the wine that he drank. They were to be educated for three years, and at the end of that time they were to stand before the king. Among these were Daniel, Hanani, Mishael, and Azariah of the tribe of Judah. And the chief of the eunuchs gave them names. Daniel he called Belteshazzar, Hanani he called Shadrach, Mishael he, he called Meshach, and Azariah he called Abednego. We're going to begin with chapter 1, obviously. I don't think we're going to get all the way through it today. The, the, the main purpose is to kind of get us back 600 years before Christ. This passage actually starts about 605 years B.C. Um, and, but, but just to kind of step back and, and re-familiarize ourselves with the, the context, just when did Daniel live, what were the things going on. Also, just in sort of a, a, a preface and to see what can we learn from the book, what can we expect, what can we glean and, and in order to be uh, better followers for Christ. In his commentary on Daniel, James Montgomery Boyce kind of recalls a, an, an event years before where he had assigned different <clears throat> speakers, preachers, um, five different speakers to look at the subject of God and history. One of those speakers chose the book of Daniel and James Montgomery Boyce and sort of summarizing that speaker said uh, his point referring to that, that to that speaker was that Daniel gives the meaning of history more clearly than any other portion of the Bible and what is more, it tells us how to live for God in ungodly times like our own. It's really not shocking to us that we um, can look back 2,600 years and, and see that people haven't really changed that much. Society hasn't changed that much in, in, in many regards and and that just as Daniel found himself living in in ungodly times we too live in ungodly times and so we can take uh, lessons from Daniel examples from from Daniel in in how he lived through those ungodly times and and how he uh, was able to be useful to God and true and faithful to to God, even though he was 
in a pagan land and, and surrounded by ones who did not uh, acknowledge the, you know, the God of Israel. James Boyce also kind of gives a, a, a few facts about Daniel that I think pertain to, to that, that Daniel was a godly man sent to live in ungodly Babylon at a time when God's blessing upon the Jewish nation seemed to have been withdrawn or postponed. This means his position was much like that of, of believers trying to live in a secular society today. That he was, he, he was living at a time when among the Jewish nation it seemed that, that God's hand, God's blessing had been withdrawn. Look back at verse 1. In the third year of the reign of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, Nebuchadnezzar came. Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, came to Jerusalem and besieged it. You'll recall from, from 2 Kings verse 24, I mean chapter 24, we, we have the account of, of King Jehoiakim. But even going back a, a, a just just one chapter prior to that, we meet Jehoiakim's father, King Josiah, perhaps the greatest king of Israel. Certainly, between him, David, and Solomon, um, godly kings. Josiah came at the at the end of. Uh, 57 years of evil kings reigning in, in Judah, Manasseh, Manasseh's son Amnon. And, and after Amnon died, his son Josiah took the throne. He was eight years old, and we read in 2 Kings 22 when he began to reign, said that he did what was right in the eyes of the Lord, and he walked in all the way of David his father. He did not turn to the to the right or the left. Josiah was one of the the good kings of of Judah, the southern kingdom. He was not only a good king; he was also a re reformer, in that he got rid of the the Baal worshiping, the high places, the the uh, <clears throat> idols that his grandfather and and father had put in the temple. But after he died kind of contrary to how good Josiah was, his sons were not, were just the total opposite. When Josiah died, his, uh, his son Jehoahaz became king in, in his place. But Jehoahaz only reigned for, for four months so it says that he did evil in the sight of the Lord according to all his fathers had done. And Pharaoh, Necho, king of Egypt, came and put him in bonds and took him to, the, uh, to, to Egypt or to the land of, of to Libna in the land of Hamath. Then Necho made Eliakim, Josiah's second son, to be king, king in place of, of Jehoahaz. And King Necho changed, changed Eliakim's name to Jehoiakim. That's the Jehoiakim that we're, we're meeting here in, in Daniel. So one of the two sons at this point 
of Josiah, who had who who had been uh, a, a reformer, a godly king, one who who was compared to David. He was that that good of a king, that dedicated to worshiping the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Jehoiakim, the son of Josiah, also did what was evil in the sight of the Lord. Then there in, in 2 Kings 24, we, we kind of have a, a, a parallel to this in Daniel. In the days of Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon came up and Jehoiakim became his servant for three years. Then he turned and rebelled against him, and the Lord sent him sent against him bands of Chaldeans, bands of Syrians, bands of Moabites, bands of Ammonites, and sent them to Judah to destroy it according to the word of the Lord that he had spoken by his prophets. That's the time, that's the, the first invasion of Israel by Babylon. It's about 605 B.C. Nebuchadnezzar has probably just become king. He had been uh, prince of Babylon. His, his father, Nebuchadnezzar, was, was king when in 605 Nebuchadnezzar uh, fought the battle of Carchemish against Egypt and Assyria and defeated them, kind of establishing Babylon as the big dog on the block of the ancient Near East. Uh, soon after, Nebuchadnezzar died and Nebuchadnezzar was, was made king. Now, as, as Daniel is recording these, these events, probably near the, nearer the end of his life than, than the beginning, that 605 B.C., Daniel would have been probably a, a middle teenager, 14, 15, 16, somewhere in there. We, we know that he lived uh, into the, the reign of, of Cyrus, the king of the, the Medes and the Persians, around 536. So more than likely, Daniel lived to be uh, 85, 90, perhaps even, even longer. And it would have been near the end of his life as, as those exiles became the remnant that God returned to Jerusalem. And, and Judah uh, after the, the 70 years captivity. But he begins here just giving us that, that setting. This is the first of three uh, destructions or three sieges of Jerusalem at the hand of Nebuchadnezzar. This one in about 605. Um, another, the second one around 598, 597, and then the final one that, that is most memorable with the destruction of Jerusalem and destruction of the temple in 586 BC, that Nebuchadnezzar came three times and, and besieged Jerusalem, each time taking captives back to, back to Babylon ancient Babylon in current day Iraq. Uh, also, the, the city of Babylon no, just north of Ur of the Chaldeans where Abraham had been called by, by God to leave his home and go into a land that God was going to show him. 
thousands of years before um, before Daniel. Jehoiakim had been king and had had rebelled against God. He rebelled against uh, Nebuchadnezzar. Back back in Second Kings, we have kind of a a, a commentary from from the writer that sort of puts it all into perspective. Second Kings twenty four verse three said, "Surely this came upon Judah at the command of the Lord to remove them out of his sight for the sins of Manasseh, according to all that he had done." So the writer of Second Kings was 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 forward about it, direct and that surely this happened at the direction of the Lord at, at God's uh, as God's punishment on Judah that he had uh, he had told them he had warned them even by Moses that if they chased after other gods if they were disobedient then he would he would chasten them he would by the hand of man disciplined them using other nations and finally after all those years of disobedience God is, has decided it's time for Israel to be chastened to be disciplined and Daniel even mentions that in verse 2 of chapter 1 he said the Lord gave Jehoiakim king of Judah into his hand, his being Nebuchadnezzar, along with some of the vessels of the house of the Lord, and he brought them to the land of Shinar, to the house of his God, and placed the vessels in the treasury of his God. So just looking at two verses for, for now, and the title of the book, and a little bit about the history the the first question is who is the main character of the book of Daniel it's I suppose that's kind of a trick question but maybe not you may have gotten it the main character in the book of Daniel is God the book is written not to elevate Daniel but to show that this was God's purpose. Think about the children of, of Israel. They have been living in the land of Canaan for centuries. God had promised Abraham this, this land. They had ended up in Judah, Abraham's grandson and his his 12 sons had gone to Judah the time of a, of a famine and they had ended up being slaves there but the nation had grown and, and prospered in the sense of the, the size of the nation. All the time having that, that promise before the written word just from generation to generation from, from father to son to daughter from mother to daughter that God had promised them the, the land that he had shown Abraham and finally at the time of, of Moses when, when it was when it was God's time he sent Moses to 
show Pharaoh that Pharaoh wasn't in control, that, that God was in control, and by God's mighty hand, Israel was delivered from that captivity, that bondage, and, and led to the promised land. <clears throat> now after 600, 800 years, just depending on the, the date that one would want to put on the, on the exodus and the arrival there in Canaan, Israel has fallen. The northern kingdom, a little more than 100 years prior, those 10 tribes that, uh, were, that, that God had pulled out of Rehoboam's hand because of Solomon's sin, and now the, the, the southern kingdom, Judah, Benjamin, those remaining uh, that, that weren't captured by Assyria, now they've gone into captivity. Their, their brightest and best uh, young people said that, that the king had commanded Ashpenaz, the chief eunuch, to bring some of the people of Israel, both of the royal family, nobility, youths, to Babylon. They've not only been defeated, they're paying taxes to a, a, a king who had nothing to do with them possessing the land. They've had many of their cities destroyed, and now he's taken their, their best young people, that hope for the future, back to, to, to Babylon. Just consider the despair that the people would be, would be feeling the the wondering, the second guessing, the depression, just considering who have we been following all these years? Maybe not unlike the the eleven apostles and the women and other followers of Jesus on that Saturday after the crucifixion, wondering were these three years just a waste. Now Israel, Judah, has been taken, many of their people taken captive. Babylon is, is the power to be. God had led them there. Are they, are they just contemplating, is God real? What, what about His promises? He's, he's promised us this, and, and now we, we're defeated. We stand uh, under this pagan king, Nebuchadnezzar, these who worship a, a, a false god, they've come in, they've taken vessels out of the, the temple and taken them as well as our young people to, to Babylon. We find kind of a picture of that despair in Psalm 137. Where it says the, the writer there, probably writing to some exiles, but I think also at the time of the return to Jerusalem, so exiles and also that that remnant that God led back to to Jerusalem. In, in Psalm one thirty seven, he says, "By the waters of Babylon, there we sat down and wept when we remembered Zion. On the willows there we hung up our lyres, for there our captives required of us songs and our tormentors." mirth, saying, Sing us one of the songs of Zion. How shall we sing the Lord's song in a foreign land? If I forget you, O Jerusalem, let my right hand forget its skill. 
let my tongue stick to the roof of my mouth if I don't remember you, if I do not set Jerusalem above my highest joy. Remember, O Lord, against the Edomites the day of Jerusalem, how they said, lay it bare, lay it bare, down to its foundations. O daughter of Babylon, doomed to be destroyed, blessed shall he be who repays you with what you have done to us. Blessed, blessed shall he be who takes your little ones and dashes them against the rock. The psalmist kind of pointedly, I think, expresses just how they, they felt when they went into to Babylon. It said, by the waters of Babylon, being the city of Babylon on the Euphrates River, we sat down and we wept when we remembered Zion when they remembered Jerusalem and how their, their captives tormented them, saying, sing us one of those songs of Jerusalem. Sing us about how great Zion is. How can we sing the Lord's song in a, in a foreign land? So Daniel opens with, with, with that captivity of, of Nebuchadnezzar coming to Jerusalem, besieging it, but he gets right to the main theme immediately in verse 2. The Lord gave Jehoiakim, king of Judah, into his hand, into Nebuchadnezzar's hand. Daniel has no doubt that this was God's purpose, that God is, is sovereign in the lives of all people, of all kings. James Montgomery Boyce also says that in spite of these things, God told Daniel that He, God, is who is in control of history and that His purposes are being accomplished even in the overthrow and captivity of His people. Moreover, in the end, God will establish a kingdom that will endure forever the destiny of the people of God is wrapped up in that eternal kingdom. So Daniel gives us in the second verse something that we need to, to remember as we go through this, this study on Daniel and that God is sovereign. God is in control. Even if we find ourselves in, in these days living in a, in a world in a, in a nation that doesn't acknowledge God or that thinks that they can dispense with Him, that God is still in control and, and using those things, those things to bring about His purpose, the ultimate kingdom of God. I'm sure you're familiar with many of the accounts of Daniel's life as he's in Babylon. We find a, a young man who did not compromise. He did not bow down to, to the Babylonian idols, even though many in the nation plotted against him, tried to set him up for failure, that, that he was, was uncompromising and, and faithful to God at, at all times. It's an, an example of, of one who, who lived in a nation that was ungodly, who, who followed many 
that nation who followed many idols and false gods, but Daniel triumphed over all of them in the end, that he, he survived because he was faithful to his God. And many times, even in so-called Christian America, we, we find ourselves with in such situations. We can see in Daniel an example of one who was lived that kind of faithful life that we're called to live in, in putting God first. But also in Daniel, we see that he knew from the beginning his view of God was very high. The Lord gave Jehoiakim, king of Judah, into Nebuchadnezzar's hands. That this was all part of God's plan. This was all God working sovereignly in the nation of, of Israel. That He had told them if they were unfaithful that they would go into uh, exile. They would be taken into a foreign land. But that He also promised them by the prophet of Jeremiah that they would, that they would return. And in Jeremiah chapter 25 and verse 8, Therefore thus says the Lord of hosts, because you have not obeyed my words, because behold, I will send for all the tribes of the north, declares the Lord, for Nebuchadnezzar the king of Babylon, my servant, Thus says the Lord, he's, he's saying Nebuchadnezzar is his servant. He's, he's the tool that God used to discipline Israel. He says, I will bring them against this land and its inhabitant and against all the surrounding nations. I will devote them to destruction and make them a horror, a hissing, and an everlasting desolation. Moreover, I will banish from them the voice of mirth, the voice of gladness, the voice of the bridegroom, and the voice of the bride, the grinding of millstones, and the light of the lamp. This whole land shall become a ruin and a waste, and these nations shall serve the king of Babylon for seventy years. Then after seventy years are complete, I will punish the king of Babylon and that nation and the land of the Chaldeans for their iniquity, declares the Lord, making the land an everlasting waste. I will bring upon that land all the words that I have uttered against it, everything written in the book which Jeremiah prophet prophesied against all the nations. Daniel knew that this was part of God's plan. This was God's plan because of Israel's disobedience. It kind of occurs to me, he could have just waited out the 70 years. Okay, that's a little bit extreme. I'm going to wait 70 years and then we'll go back. But he knew he had God's promise, whether he lived that long or not, that Israel would return. Babylon was God's tool at this time, but in, ultimately God would punish Babylon as, as well. So how do we respond? How do we look at God? Do we see Him as the sovereign creator, sustainer, the one who, who moves kings, like the proverb said, the, the king's heart in the hand of the Lord is like a channel of water. He moves it wherever he wishes. Or do we just see him as a, a, a benefactor when we need him? Or do we truly see him 
as, as Thomas said, my Lord and my God, that, that God is indeed sovereign. And then do we follow Daniel's example of, of faithful living? We'll look next week at, at the rest of chapter 1 and see how Daniel didn't waste any time in his obedience to the Lord. Daniel didn't wait till there was something big like a dream or um, rules against praying or something major. He began his, his faithful service and obedience to the Lord in, in something as minor as what he ate. Let's pray. Father, I thank You for Your Word. I thank You for the book of Daniel and how it assures us that You are sovereign, that You are Lord and God of all things. God, may we just gain a, an understanding of that, that, that it might change our, our view, that it might change our lives knowing that, that we serve a risen Savior, that we serve the Creator, the Master of all things, that You're the God of history, that Your hand moves among people and, and leaders at all time, bringing about Your purpose, that being the ultimate kingdom of Christ. And God, may we be faithful as we live our lives in obedience to all that you've, you've told us to do, to share our faith with others, but also to, to live our, our lives in service of our King. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.